Welcome to another episode of Kinsider. I'm Chris Peterson. Today, I am with the founder and CEO, really the everything guy of Love What Matters. His name is Colin Balf. If you don't know, Love What Matters is a content creation company that highlights the good. It highlights... Let me let you talk about it. I know it most as a group on Facebook that has over 8 million likes. You get crazy traffic, crazy engagement. But why don't you, Colin, tell us what Love What Matters is? Yeah, no, thank you for having me. Really, it's about finding these stories that draw out empathy from people, that help people realize they're not alone, and also make them aware of, okay, well, if this person got through that challenge, if this person overcame these struggles in life, I can do it too. And so it's very cathartic for one, the writer, but also the reader to realize, oh, holy cow, like this person can actually not only come through this, the other side and have this transformational experience, but they can do it in a way that helps them and helps other people get through it. So really the goal was to create a company that was a deeply personal storytelling platform. And there's a whole story behind how that happened. Well, you got to tell us. My mom was really the inspiration behind this entire platform. I am the youngest. I have two older brothers. And my mom passed away from ovarian cancer. She had breast cancer and then she had ovarian cancer. She beat the breast cancer and she passed away from the ovarian cancer. She's been living in Florida at this time. I'm up in New York City and we realized she doesn't have a lot of time left. We realize she's got a matter of weeks. And so we're flying out from New York to see her and having these private goodbyes with her. I probably had three of these moments where I flew in and had a half hour with her. Each time, it's amazing because she's, you know, a classic mom, right? She's still thinking about her kids. She's still thinking about her sons and she's sitting there and she's dealing with her last moments, but she's still worrying about her children. Every time I would go in, she would say, look, Kyle, you're my youngest. You're my most sensitive. You're very creative. When I die, losing me is going to be very, very hard on you. And of course, I, at some extent, realized that, but didn't really want to face that quite yet. So she would just keep saying, listen, like you're going to have to find a way to let this fuel you creatively. You're going to have to find a way to let the grief fuel you and create something beautiful. I don't know what that is. I don't think she had any idea what that was in that moment. I know I didn't know what that meant. But every time I would see her, she would just reiterate, create something, create something beautiful and let my death and grief push you forward. So of course she was right. She passed away and I was a mess. You lose your mom, you lose your North Star, you lose someone that is kind of the guiding light for your life. It's horrible. At least for me, I started to pay attention more in life. I was really craving meaning. I was really craving, God, there's got to be, what's the meaning of all of this? And that made me really pay attention more to life. And as I was looking around and paying attention, I realized, all right, well, I'm carrying this deep grief and pain, but other people are going through what my mom was battling. They're going through terminal cancer diagnosis. Mm -hmm. Other people are dealing with crippling anxiety. Other people are dealing with having a child with autism and trying to understand this labyrinth of the spectrum. Okay, what does that mean? How do I parent them? How do I understand? How do I do what's best for them? What schools? So there were all these things that I started to see that I hadn't really seen before. And I said, okay, this is interesting. Well, there's something here. 
And then I just kind of got to work and started building on social. And I've always been fascinated by social media. And this is, you know, going back now six years, but even Chris, you and I worked together at The Blaze. Mm-hmm. And I had been there for a little while experimenting on social and learned a couple of tricks. I had built this page and had a couple of deeply personal stories going. And then that page went from 10,000 people to 20,000 to 80,000 to a half million to 3 million. And all of a sudden we're at 8 million followers. In these days, Facebook was just crazy. Every amazing organic native story that we did would go nuts. The community would rally behind people. I started there. Then I went to Instagram, built that to about a half million people. And then we have ancillary platforms, YouTube's 30,000 subscribers, Twitter's 10,000, but really Facebook, Instagram. And then brands started coming to us just from the social platforms. And then we built a website. This is our fourth year going into it. And then we did a book deal with Simon & Schuster. And then we did a podcast. This whole kind of deeply personal storytelling platform was born and really It was all my mom's inspiration, and I don't think she knew at the time what she was saying, but that really shaped the lens of which I viewed the world was, holy crap, we're all kind of broken in our own unique ways. How do we let people tell these deeply personal stories? Oh, and I should mention, by the way, this is a first-person storytelling platform. I chose that first-person storytelling platform because I feel like that really pulls you into the center of the story and you feel like you're listening to a friend and you feel like you're there with them and you're in it and you're really experiencing it in a more visceral way though. Yeah. Amazing story. You mentioned we did work together. You were at my wedding and I didn't know this story. So (laughs) I got to take a break real quick and call my mom. You hit on it. And really a reason that I wanted to have you on is this community that you've built. Personal anecdote. Love What Matters is a nice, especially like during election and everything. It's nice to come upon. And that's one of the reasons that I follow it, not just because I know you. Yeah. But what really impresses me is just how engaged this audience and really community and the other episodes of Kinsider, we've been talking about the communities and finding those communities in different sectors. Talk about what that community, you've grown it to this large number, but how do you keep them so engaged? And then also using the different platforms that you mentioned, cross-pollinate and move audience from Facebook to your website to listen to a podcast. Yeah, it's a good question. I always say in the content world, why should I care? Tell me why I should care. And so I think we try to tell stories that deeply resonate with people. And those could be feel-good stories and amazing act of kindness stories. But if you're dealing with something and you're trying to understand how to get through it or how to overcome it or how to learn from it, and someone is speaking to you exactly from that experience that they've done themselves, it strikes a chord. And it makes you sit back and say, oh, well, I'm going through IVF. This person has done this and and they've been struggling for three years. And whether then that that leads them to adoption or that leads them to keep going with IVF or, or whatever it is, by speaking to people in terms of their own battles and in terms of their own language, I think that kind of engagement that you talk about is really baked into the product because it just hits a chord where people say, they're talking directly to me. And so we've tried to build these very specific communities. Adoption to me is my favorite. You have people who have been trying to have children for years and years and years. You have a child who hasn't had any meaningful role models in their life. You bring those two things together who are desperately wanting that in their life. It's an amazing thing. As you're saying that, it it occurs to me that really love what matters is just 
the platform to connect people. It's someone sharing their adoption story. And whether or not that resonates with you on a personal level, for some it does, and they're going to engage on it. But for myself, I'm going to say, oh, I love this story because of all the things you just mentioned. So it's really just a conduit almost of connecting those two things and letting people tell their own story versus I want to go and have a journalist tell this story for me. Yeah, I think so. I think that's right. And I think that by telling their own story, for one, it it makes sure it's the real story, Mm -hmm. but it gets the truth out there around how they see it. And we try to tell people as we're helping them craft these stories, well, what was going on in the room when this was happening? Think back to the conversations you were having. Think back to the quotes and the things that your friends and family were telling you, because we really want you to feel like you're in the room. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I I think that's right. Outside of personal favorites, what topics does your audience engage with the most? Or are there certain topics that... So we made the Chirp Beat Top 10 list in 2018, I believe it was. And that was a story about adoption. Mm. There's just so many layers to adoption. And I think that's why I enjoy it so much. I think sometimes you have siblings that have been split up. They're in separate foster care homes. Foster care system is tough and it can be tricky. And for all the amazing things that we highlight, I don't want to sugarcoat it. There's obviously challenges there as well. But when you find a teacher who has a child that they've seen firsthand all of the struggles that they're they're dealing with. And then one day the teacher says, well, why can't I be the one that steps into this child's life and adopt them? I'm complaining about the system. I'm complaining about how terrible it is. Why can't I be the person to help this person out? And that teacher then adopts that child, changes their life. It's just things like that, that, you know, I think People can really say, instead of being an observer of the system, why don't I step into it and actually make change? Any um, examples of this community doing something awesome based off of content that you produced on the page? Yeah, there's probably two examples of community-driven stories. So first, there is a young girl who swallowed a battery and passed away. And as a result of that story being published in Love What Matters, there have been 99,000 signatures for button battery legislation on change.org to really try to get something passed. I believe this happened in Australia. Mm. But to see something like that where actual legislation can come out of it is pretty meaningful because hopefully that will never happen again. Yeah. And then my all-time favorite kind of community aspect of this is... There was a mother who has a child with autism, has a young daughter, and the young daughter loved this t-shirt. And the t-shirt, she loved it so much that she basically wore it multiple times a week. Mm-hmm. The t-shirt had holes in it, become dirty, and she couldn't find this shirt. It was sold out of Target. So she does this post and she basically explains, this is the t-shirt, shows a photo of it. If anyone can send this to me or find it anywhere, I'm happy to pay the postage. So I come across this. I repost it on Love What Matters. It gets shared 13,000 times. Mm -hmm. Love What Matters readers are posting in the comments, I have this shirt. Let me send it to you. They're posting in the comments, I found this shirt at this store. I'm going to send it to you. She ends up getting over a hundred of these t-shirts. People Complete strangers offering to make her teddy bears out of it and sheets out of it. And so it's that kind of community where the Love What Matters readers are, they're just trying to help. They're just trying to support in any way they can. It's awesome. 
as two people that probably lean towards content more than other aspects of the business, we do need to talk about, you've got this awesome audience, they're highly engaged, you've got a lot of reach. How are you guys making money? Right. The platform is really built to help align good companies with compelling and feel-good stories. So we've worked with Kroger, we've worked with Southwest Airlines, American Greetings, Duncan. Brands have come to understand that having the connection with the audience and playing a role in the community before controversy strikes is so important. And I think they really have begun to understand that now and that building up the goodwill prior to an issue and meeting what you say is critical. And if you don't have that goodwill first, then there's no way to really cash it in later on. Those brand partnerships that we do, the beauty of this community is that I'll give you one of my favorites is uh, American Greetings. So American Greetings, they came to us with a campaign where they said, we want to do something around uh, losing your mom and grief. And we have someone who has a tattoo from a card, which was the last card they received from their mother. So they have that tattooed on them. Is this something that your community, it might resonate with them? Mm -hmm. And so we tried it and we put it out there. And it was incredible. The response that we saw just from asking the campaign, hundreds and hundreds of people have done this. They've gotten tattoos from someone that they love, usually their mother. So going out to the community with that kind of a UGC ask is so interesting because the responses that you get are just unbelievable. We do UGC custom campaigns. We amplify content and videos. Obviously, there are more complex things that we can do. We can do articles, obviously. But I think those types of campaigns that are really interesting to me are, are those kind of specific questions where we can go out to the audience and say, hey, has this happened to you? Tell us a story. Yeah, smart. And with building this company, essentially off the back of social media, that's fair to say, there was a lot around algorithm changes constantly. Some companies didn't do well with that. Some companies went away. Yeah. How have you weathered that? How do you think about the future with relying on a lot of traffic from one specific platform? Right. I hadn't mentioned this yet. We do about 10 million page views per month and see about three to five million unique visitors. Okay, it's big. So you've diversified. <laughs> right. It's a really good question because it's something that everyone is talking about and trying to get away from. I think the first thing from a content perspective, because we saw this as the pandemic was coming in and impacting us, basically nobody wanted to talk about these stories because everybody was thinking about COVID. Right. So we saw our traffic go away. This is March 2020. We're looking at each other like, okay, well, this is new. What are we going to do here? We just started paying attention again, similar to when I first started and saying, all right, well, COVID is taking over everyone's life. Well, what does that mean? Well, it means that kids are home all the time. Well, what does that mean? Parents have to be home from work and now they're full-time babysitters. There's challenges with their job. There's challenges with work. There's challenges with babysitting, with anxiety, with depression. Everything that was happening in the world was now being shaped by COVID. So we really embraced that. And every story that we did was about how COVID is shaping the new world. 
we had one day in March 2020 where we did 2.2 million page views as a result. That was a story about, if you can go back in your minds to March 2020, when there was toilet paper being hoarded. Right. That story was about, hey, instead of hoarding toilet paper, maybe help the 89-year-old man who is struggling to walk at the grocery store. You got to pay attention to the trends that are happening and you have to embrace them even if they're scary. And, and we just tried to speak to people in ways that they can understand. So that's on the content side. On the business side of things, for us at least, it's about really bootstrapping everything that we do. So to your point before what you said about diversification, we will put a toe into something and give it some tests. And then before doubling down or going fully into it, making sure we have a model that works. Yeah and bootstrapping that out. And so that's what we've done with podcasts and the book and everything else. But yeah, I think that diversification is key. And it's interesting when you mentioned the content side, it's not a rinse and repeat. It's not, we've got the playbook. It's post this type of content. Always evolving. Always evolving. So the, we talked about diversifying your audience. And one of the areas you guys have focused on, I think, is is newsletters. Can you talk about how you use that to move audience? And is it the same audience with newsletters? Or are you seeing different audience? I think with newsletter, we view that more as a standalone product. Mm -hmm. So we want it to stand on its own two legs and be able to be its own thing. If you take the industry standard open rate of 15%, we want to see 15 to 30% open rates because we care about the engagement above everything else. We analyze those numbers and try to say to ourselves, well, it's great if you have a half million or a million people on your list. But if you're only 10% of them are opening the email, what do you really have? Yeah. And so we'll always be trying to remove any of the people that are not engaged so that we have people that are constantly evangelizing our message. Yeah. If you're not engaged with the content, you get removed from the list so that you guys are able to have a higher engagement rate, higher daily open percentage versus, hey, we've got this many million or whatever subscribers. Exactly. And that's going to help spread the message when you have more people that are engaged and excited about your product, right? Yeah. It'll be interesting to see because that I think is the right approach and how we view it too with our newsletter products. So let's also talk about where you see Level What Matters in 24 months plus. Yeah. I like to keep expanding the brand. We're having some pretty exciting conversations right now about creating television shows around these stories. Is there an opportunity for an OTT channel and doing something like that? I think that there could be something for a serious radio show, the next book deal. And we're currently shopping around a couple of different podcast ideas. So I think that these stories have a universal appeal. These stories lend themselves to so many different aspects of the media world. The beauty of them is in not just how relatable they are, but how it draws out empathy from everyone that either watches, listens, reads, what have you. In all experiences, if we're telling the story in the right way, they're going to reach you and they're going to touch you in a way that makes you sit back and say, wow. All right, Colin, thank you for coming on Kinsider and talking to us about Love What Matters. I love the community that you have built and we're excited to see where you go with it. Thank you for having me, Chris. Thanks for listening to this episode of Kinsider. If you like this episode, please hit subscribe or follow wherever you're listening to podcasts. If there's an option to leave a review, that'd be great. For Kindred Media, I'm Chris Peterson. Talk to you next time.